2: An international world class podcast full of brown superstars. I'm here with Owen Jones from Wales, Jack Macquarie from somewhere in Ohio. Is that correct? Yes, sir. You got that right. Ian Wright, Wright, Wright from Chicago, and Jack Duffin from
1: East London. Jack Macquarie, how are you? I'm good, Paul. Thanks for having me on the podcast once again.
2: Well, no, guys, you're the guys that organize this, not me. And uh, Owen, how's the weather in Wales?
3: Yeah, it's been sunny this weekend. Um, just like to mention that for all the kids out there, if you pester someone long enough to get on something, then uh, at some point you'll you'll get on. So yeah, all my badgering to Jack and Ian has, uh, has paid off.
2: Sorry, guys, I'll just translate that for you. Can't understand Welsh. <laughs> he just said, hello. So thanks for that, Owen, yeah, <laughs> mate. Sorry. Uh, great British humour, but anyway, yeah. Uh, um, Ian, you put this together. Do you want to tell us what it's all about?
0: Well, we came up with the idea because I'm sure as many people know, Spaces has kind of taken over thing on Twitter. So with subsets and group chats and all these other ways of communicating, we've pretty much had a time zone dependent dialogue for about two months where as things pop up, whether it's Deshaun Watson or Amari Cooper or Baker, whatever is going on in Brown's world, we have just kind of a running chat of people. And it's been kind of interesting to see, you know, Duffin, who cares sim- simply about the contracts, like we'll sign a free agent and he just doesn't give a shit until Aaron, uh, what's his name? The Rogers. no Aaron, T- what's it, the Texans World guy. Show. Aaron Wilson tweets out the captain num information and he wants to see the void years and rollovers. And then Jackson has his input cuz he kind of keeps in trends he's on. He must be on a lot of social media cuz he like knows everything and who's tweeting what and who's talking what. He shares more tweets that I would never see in my life. And then Owen just sitting over here like, "I really like wide receivers in college and I just want us to draft all of them." So, we was like, "You know what? Let's put everybody's mind together. Let's just kind of do what everybody's been doing in a little bit more of a recorded sense where we say, let's put everybody together. Let's have a little bit of a round table. Let's get different perspectives. Cause realistically when four guys or five guys are sitting at a bar and we're all chatting, everybody's going to have a different perspective about something. So it's a good way. I don't think any of us are really aligned on a hundred percent of the things going on. So it, it gives different perspectives on every different topic. So that's really the goal. And then once we linked Paul in, it was, it just had to happen.
2: Well, look, the first thing we're going to talk about is state of
4: the Browns. Jack Duffin, over to you, mate. Hot mic. I I think we're in a really, really good position. The next three, probably three years, uh, are set up to win. Um, yeah, there's some pending on what happens with Watson in this season. But generally, the roster is at a really, really good point. This isn't going to last forever. Some of these guys are going to have to move on. But these next three seasons, that is... That's the window, um, because if we're talking three years' time, some of these older guys, they're, they're not going to be on the roster anymore. They're going to be um, or three years older, and, hey, they're starting in 30. Production's going to drop off, et cetera. So we've got to make it count, um, and you just got to get to the playoffs. Get to the playoffs, and then who knows what happens. There's a lot of luck and other factors, but we've got um, sort of top eight, quarterback talent now which we haven't had before ever in Cleveland um, and now let, let's see if it can work Question for you Jack is
2: mate you say about getting to the playoffs but surely we should be thinking
4: Super Bowl not playoffs Oh no no so once you get to the playoffs luck is a big factor um, it's get there as the bare minimum and then it's like hey If you end up with the first game is against the Kansas City Chiefs and Mahomes plays his perfect game, there's nothing you can do Um, because it's just the way the NFL is. So make sure you're in the playoffs every year. And then, hey, if you get lucky, who knows what happens? You might end up with the ring. Um, Just got to get there. Macari, what do you think about
2: the state of the Browns at the moment?
1: I, I, I would agree with what Jack said, that the, the roster is in a really good place. Um, this is a playoff team. This is a Super Bowl contending team. Obviously, coming into this season, you know, the cloud hanging over is the Watson suspension. So maybe not being a contender this year, depending on how, you know, the season starts with the suspension, with Jacoby Brissett being under center. But Jack hit the nail on the head. The next three, maybe four years, we're in a good window to where we can compete, at least for the AFC Championship and ultimately the Super Bowl, I think this this roster is too talented on both sides of the ball. You know, barring injuries, to where we are not contending and are among the favorites to win a Super Bowl each year. I mean, what's your thoughts, pal?
3: Yeah, agree with uh, agree with Jack and Jackson. Really, um, you look at this roster, top to bottom, and this it's there. It's, it's there to compete. Um, you see, why A B. Decided to do what he did in the off season and bring in Watson and go as hard as he did to do so is because the talent's already there. It's there to win, like Jackson says. Whether that's this season, depending on obviously how how long Watson actually is out for, um, you know that remains to be seen. But AB did this with with a long term vision in mind, and like Jack Jack said, like it's just all about making the playoffs every year, and then then hoping that you, you catch fire at the right time.
0: And I get a little, little different on it because I just – when you look at Stefanski, when you look at Barry, you see guys who are generally very calm, calculated guys. And the state right now is – the team is in such fluctuation. You know, last year we had to deal with all the Odell, Baker, Jarvis, Higgins is in the doghouse. There's a lot of drama going on do we really not think that the whole thing with Watson and the whole thing with Baker and all of these things is going to cause anything in the locker room? Like, it's kind of funny last year, it was nothing but locker room drama, but this year it's like, yeah, well, we're going to kind of overlook a little bit of that. I don't think Stefanski and Barry are very comfortable with where the team is at right now. I think they're very happy with like, say the cornerback room. Right. I think that there's obviously positional value that they could find in linebacker that they're hoping to develop. But overall, I think there's just such a cloud over the team right now. And I said it a while back, it's very hard to be a Browns fan right now. Obviously, you know, living out of the city. I mean, Jackson has the benefit of living in Cleveland, but when I go around, it's, it's not the same vibe that lovable losers mantra is kind of gone. And now people are kind of saying more like giving you the middle finger saying, well, you guys are selling your soul. You're doing this. Browns fans are a very sensitive bunch, so the state of this team is right now up. The roster looks pretty good, but overall it's it's gonna be a very hot button. And I will tell you right now, people didn't like Colin Cowherd before with his Baker Mayfield takes. Just what do you see this year when skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp and all these guys they are going to make a living talking about? the state of the Browns, the drama, everything associated, whether it's six games, eight games, 10 games, 12 games, it is whether we're starting Josh Dobbs, the team is going to be just drama filled. Hell, Odell hasn't even signed with anyone, so we still got to hear about that. I mean, we're hearing about damn video games. I mean, this is where we're at. I I think the question
4: is, are those issues going to carry over to the dressing room? So obviously in fan media world, this stuff becomes a big talking shop. But if we look back to last year, it seems like it was absolute chaos going on with Baker and stuff behind the scenes. Whereas we got little bits of rumours and snippets in the media world, but it seems like it was a bigger problem within the locker room. So as long as within the locker room, it's okay. I'm not that concerned about the media talking heads, everything going off. Obviously the players get frustrated because they get asked it in media sessions, etc. cetera. But I, I, if it is a more united locker room, that should fix a lot of
0: the uh, issues.
2: Did anyone see the photo of Landry, Matt Wilson, Hollywood Higgins and Odell? Yeah. I think Stain, that-
0: stain Pants broke that news, he must have. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it's crazy how, how quickly things can
3: change in the NFL. Um, also the picture of, of um, Hooper, Odell, uh, Jarvis and Baker as well have been circulating a lot lately, uh, considering they're all gone within a year of that picture being taken so just shows how quickly the nfl can change um and we just have to move on
0: oh and i'm curious your take on this because obviously you've been involved with a lot of team sports now a football slash soccer team you're only talking about 18 guys but for a 52 53 man roster you're obviously going to have clicks within a locker room you're going to have it in any dressing room that's what it is and it's funny that all the people talk about, oh, Baker was childish, all this other stuff. Yet we know that most of the offensive line and Baker all got along. They were at country concerts together. They traveled together, you know, and then Baker obviously had his throwing sessions and like Travis with Hooper and Jarvis. So all the wide receivers are there. So it's like, I think a lot of times it does carry to the locker room, but I'm curious from your standpoint, like, what do you think is going on in that locker room? Because we know that obviously 53 guys aren't best friends. We know that Scottish Hamler and Charlie Hewitt are good friends obviously Paul you you've broke that news but it's like what do you think is going on within that when the door's is closed and the manager of the coach is standing up there in the front saying all right guys we're going to take our 47 46 best and go out there and try to win today
3: yeah I think it's interesting really um picking up on what you just said about um Baker and the offensive line being really good friends Baker and the wide receivers obviously working out quite a lot last season um most of the stuff coming out about Baker and who liked him and who didn't. It seems to be defensive-based. So we heard about Clowney not wanting to come back if if Baker returned. We've heard little snippets about John Johnson and Baker. And I think it's quite interesting. Obviously, the dynamics in, in the two sports we're talking about are completely different in the locker room. But um, I do find it interesting that the, most of the offensive line and, and most of the offense in general seems to get along with Baker whereas most of the defence maybe didn't. And maybe that's just pure, purely out of frustration what the defence is watching um, on, on, a, on a Sunday when Baker was throwing picks and, you know, taking them out of games. It must, it must have been frustrating for them, especially when they were doing their part for the most part on the field. So, yeah, it is an, it is an interesting one. One thing I will say is, obviously, you know, everyone's had questions about Deshaun Watson and his character I think his talent probably speaks for itself. So I think from a player's perspective, they're there to do a job. They're there to win silver, where they were there to to earn more money. And I think he puts them in a better position to do that when he's actually on the field. So I don't know how much they're going to hold a grudge um, that Baker's gone. I would probably tend to say they won't, um, but it, it probably will affect his good friends within the squad.
2: I think... I think when I travel and I'm staying at the hotels of the players and stuff, like you can see Njuku hanging around with Higgins, Landry, Odell, you know, he's obviously going to be in Odell's camp versus Baker's camp. You know, I think some of the players they've let go were close to Baker or didn't try signing. So um, I think they know what's going on in the dressing room. They know who's friends with everyone. And, yeah, I spoke to Scottish Hammer Liked Baker, no issues with Baker, he's special teams, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, he's got no uh, no pros or negatives against him. So uh, um, my view state of the Browns is I think we're in a good position. I like the fact that we're underdogs a little bit at the moment. We're not, we're not like the hot team. We haven't just signed Odell and Landry and Baker's had a good season. I feel like, yes, everyone knows about Deshaun Watson. He's a better quarterback, but the team has to mould. And I think the NFL knows this. We've got a big suspension potentially. So, um, yeah, we're coming in as an average team that, yeah, could hit form, could be good, or it could be a very mediocre season for the Browns.
0: So Paul scale of one to 10, no sevens. What is your excitement level going into the season right now?
2: This is a really bizarre question because it's probably a nine excitement because the off season has been really boring for me. So, um, I think it's 63 days until the season starts. I can't wait until we see American football NFL again. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited. I actually think the off-season has been really quiet, lame, for whatever reason. Maybe it's Deshaun Watson. People just don't want to talk about it or same old story. Um, I'm not really into the off-season this year. So, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to the first game of the season. Caroline, let's go
0: be lucky you're not a bears fan because half their team has been arrested in this off season. But uh, Jackson, what about you? What's your excitement level going into the season? See, like <clears throat> since the Watson trade, like
1: haven't been as excited, but now we're it's July 10th. We're three weeks away from camp. I'm starting to get excited because at the end of the day, I still love football. I still love the Cleveland Browns. And we said this back in March, one player isn't, one player really isn't going to sway my opinion on the Cleveland Browns because it's about the Cleveland Browns. It's not about Deshaun Watson. It's not about Miles Garrett. It's not about one individual player. It's about the whole team. I love the Cleveland Browns through and through. I'm still doing the podcast. Clearly, I'm on your guys' podcast as well. So, like, as we get closer and closer, I'm starting to get more excited just because at the end of the day, I love the Browns. I love what they've put together on this team, regardless of some of the the off-the-field issues, obviously, with Deshaun Watson. I feel really good about this team. And as we get closer, I'm getting more and more excited. So I would say I'm about an eight or a
0: nine, pretty much like Paul. Do you think that if the suspension were to come down and let's just say it's somewhere between 10 games in a season, would that adjust your excitement level? It would not, maybe take it down
1: a couple points just because
0: if, like, when
1: the schedule came out, I predicted 12 and five season. I'd probably tone that down a couple wins just because if the suspension was longer, my excitement wouldn't be as much because I would limit my expectations with Jacoby Brissett and Josh Dobbs being the quarterbacks, unless the Browns decide, Hey, we're going to go get somebody else. And if they go get somebody else, that's better than Brissett and Dobbs. Maybe that'll raise my excitement level again, but yeah, it would, it would tone it down if the suspension was longer than expected.
0: So Jack, you're generally the man of no equilibrium. You pretty much hover right at that, that uh, flat line. What about you? Where's your excitement level? I know that you have the roster stuff and you're doing great work over at the OBR. So people get a little bit of a tint in terms of what your feelings are, but overall, how would you summarize your excitement level? Uh,
4: this is just the most boring part of the entire NFL season. Cause you get the season's great, Then you get free agency. Then you get the draft and then there's just nothing happens until even like preseason games. They're a bit meh. Um, But it's that giant weight. You've got nothing really from the... So, June, there's a bit of buzz because you're still talking about the draft, the impact and everything there. But basically, from the middle of June... Well, sorry, middle of May through till start of September, it's boring. I don't get that excited about training camp. But come week one, I don't care who the quarterback is. I'm going to be absolute buzzing. Uh, Jack, I saw a picture of all the OBR together. Where were you, mate? I was in Bournemouth on the Stag Do. Was that because you weren't invited or were you invited? Uh... I, I was invited, um, but it's a little bit far to go for a, uh, a golf trip to uh I could, have,
0: I could have showed up and played in your presence, just so you know. Um, for all the people out there, that means he was at a bachelor party. Cause we do have a large contingent of us audience. So we'll try to do our best to help you understand what Owen says. And then also what the hell they're talking about. So, so, Owen, all right. You're obviously staying busy, still playing uh, football slash soccer, which puts Jackson to sleep most of the time in our chats. So we usually try to <laughs> keep that for the uh, later parts of the evening, but what about you? Um, you know, you kind of have an interesting path of, at being a Browns fan because it's completely voluntary. You know, Paul was born into it by, by name. And then, you know Jack was obviously brought in by uh De Podesta, but you know, there's you. So where's your ex- where's your excitement level?
3: I'm gonna take a slightly different tone to uh what we've heard so far. I'm actually not that excited um for the season. And that's purely because of everything that's gone on. It's been tiring I think this offseason. Um and I just think yeah for me when 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 we went 0 and 16 Even before that season, I was excited. It was blind optimism, don't get me wrong. I knew we were going to be bad, but it was still exciting because you'd see the team go out on Sunday and give their best. But this season, is whether it's just because it's a little bit early, I don't know. I haven't been as excited. Um, And I just think, you know, let's call it what it is. For me, it's it's, it's the Watson thing. Um, And I just think maybe when the actual visual watching him, watching him play actually happens, maybe that changes, changes things a little bit, but at the moment, yeah, it's just been a tiring off season for me. Um, And yeah, the excitement level isn't quite
0: there yet. So inversely to Jack, would you, would your excitement level change or Jackson, I should say, would your excitement level change if say he was suspended for the season? So now you don't have to worry about him for the season or would that make you more excited? Um,
3: I don't know if it would make me more excited, to be honest, because eventually he's going to play at some point. You know, we all know that's why they brought him in. He's going to play for a long, long time for this franchise. And, you know, so whether he's suspended a season or not, I don't think it changes things a great deal. It'll just push back actually seeing him play for a year. Um, But again, like the lads have said, if he doesn't play for a year, then our, our chances of being any good this season are also pretty much gone, like Jackson said. So... It's it's a real strange one. It's been, you know, an all ongoing battle within my own head to to try and, you know, make sense of it all and and to gauge my level of excitement, if that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. So, Paul, we'll give it to you on this one. So, obviously, we're talking about excitement level. Baker Mayfield recently traded. You know, he's he's making his way through the internet. Do you think, Paul, like, what's your state now that Baker's gone? The Browns have obviously moved on what impact do you think Baker Mayfield had on the franchise in terms of where it's going to go? Do you like the long-term ramifications? So to say of having the four years of Baker.
2: Yeah, I think definitely going in the right direction. He's, you know, got us to the playoffs, got victories in the playoffs. And yeah, in general, I do feel that the Browns social media give Baker a hard time and, I honestly think when we look back at Baker Mayfield in 20 years, um, this is a big call, but like Bernie Kozar level in my eyes, but people, people in uh, Ohio will think totally different, but um, yeah, you know, he's done well for the Browns and he's uh, came in number one pick and, you know, has battled for the uh, the city basically.
0: So are you happy the saga's over?
2: Yeah. It's like an ex-girlfriend, you know, she, she's moved on now. Yeah. The quicker you move on, the better it is for everyone. So, uh,
0: you're not going to, you're not going to try to slide into her DMs. I have
2: have slid into uh, Emily's DMs, uh, wishing Baker the best going forward to honest. Uh, um, but yeah, they're happily married. And, uh, I know that Emily listens to the podcast. I should say, uh, happy anniversary and, uh, yeah, nothing's,
0: all right. So, do you think Emily allowed Baker to play video games at a ten-hour-a-day clip?
2: I don't think he's allowed to go to cheesecake shops anymore. But um, I don't know about um, video games, to be honest.
0: <laughs> well, if you ever need to get a message to Emily, you know, outside of the podcast, you know, our our good friend Hayden Grove uh, kicked her butt a lot of times at the Cycle Barn there in Avon. So, if you ever need anything, Hayden's your Hayden's your guy if you're ever going down to uh Carolina as well, who, who knows if he signs there long-term, but, uh, but yeah. So overall, uh, you know, Paul's got big things to do. He's jumping on an NFL UK podcast. So we're kind of letting him, you know, freewheel here overall, Paul, you are going to be at week one, right? You're flying in for the, the Baker Mayfield showdown <laughs> there in Carolina. Um What's the what's the most exciting game at this point you're looking forward to going to this year?
2: Back onto the Baker Mayfield thing, I'm probably very scared. Whoever our quarterback is, that Baker Mayfield has got a chip on his shoulder for that
0: game. Um, it's the size of the chip because it's guaranteed even, there.
2: Even even if it's Sean Watson, um, I Jack Duffin, listen to this. I would not bet on this game. I think there's too much emotions baker coming back to the browns is he gonna do something crazy what could he do in nfl it'll be crazy
0: jack you, call, you called the damaris randall one what's your uh, bold prediction for for baker i
4: i, I think it's good it, it'll get a little bit scrappy um i i think someone sacks him um probably more clowny than um, miles based on the sort of reports it seems like uh, Clowny's lesser fan, and uh, it it gets to some archie-bargy. Um, I don't think anyone's gonna be punching anyone or anything stupid like that, but um, yeah, I I think it could get a bit uh feisty.
0: So, all all the helmets will stay on,
4: yeah, that'd be lovely.
0: McCurry, what could um, Baker
2: do to really wind up the Browns fans? What would be like
1: when, yeah, that first of all, if he comes in and beats us week one, like. He won't He won't shut up forever. Like, Baker will hold that, like, as his, like, that would be his Super Bowl moment. It'll be, like, the fu to the Browns organization. But, like, man, I don't know. I don't know what he could do to really rile him up, like.
0: Anyone think he got a flag anywhere he can plant? <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah.
0: I mean. He did, he did it for Ohio State.
1: If Carolina has a flag on that sideline, I would be, like, I would turn it off. I'm, like, I'm not watching this.
0: He well, goes to plant
1: the you, flag at Bank of America did, Stadium. He can wear a T-shirt on the uh t-shirt underneath saying
2: something like why is it always me or something like that
0: (laughs) oh he he, he might go full joker i got it much good
1: he's gonna wear a t-shirt that says i'm the adult in the room did
0: did freddie kitchens his company make it for him (laughs)
1: yes
0: (laughs) now do remember the carolina is hashtag keep pounding so i think baker somehow uses his adult humor which i respect in the phrase of keep pounding, whether it's that drum, whether it's something who knows, maybe he does something with a kicking net. If he really wants to get, get back at Odell, that's a way <laughs> to do it. I'm telling you right now, I've I admitted this in our other one. I have a little biasness towards Baker Mayfield because he just reminds me a lot of me. I was, I played the same game the same way if he's already right now thinking of what he's going to do, he's going to roll out the red carpet. He, anything he can possibly think of to just get under your skin as a Browns fan, he is going to do it. And he is going to just be his internal organs will warm up two degrees doing it. So, so yeah. Um, Paul, do you have to jump?
2: I have to jump, but, um, guys, great catching up with you guys. I'll let you, uh, close off. And, um, I look forward to seeing uh, uh, you over in uh, Ohio soon.
0: Yeah, enjoy your Thai food tonight. Ciao. Ciao. All right, so now we got Paul, his send-off, his proper send-off. So we're talking about excitement levels. We talked a little bit about the roster, but let's go around and just kind of figure out we are do one on offense, one on defense. From the roster standpoint, what is the room you are most comfortable with on both sides of the ball? We'll start with you, Mr. Duffin. What room?
4: Most, most comfortable on the offensive side of it It's going to be running backs. It's the only position where I'm like, yeah, it's fine, because it's not just talent. I'm, I'm going to
0: screen record that. Jack's saying he's <laughs> the running backs. And they're all paid, too. It's even better.
4: Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's, I'm comfortable with it. I didn't say they're important, but um, – <laughs> It, 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 there, there's questions everywhere else you go. Um, I don't think there's a single other room where you're like, hey, this is going to be fine. Um, Offensive so yeah, line? No, because, hey, we, we've got a right tackle that who knows what he's going to be health-wise. Um,
0: he was healthy enough, by the way, congratulations, Caitlin and Jack on their upcoming child. I saw that she announced that she's pregnant, so congratulations to Caitlin and Jack Conklin.
4: We've got a, a center who had one great game. And we were there that, for it! That, it, yeah, but it's, it's one game. Um, I'm not going to uh, extrapolate across the whole season. Hey, Jed's J, J, J just okay Um, out there. So um, that's why it, it has to be running backs for me that I'm like, yeah, it's great. All right, so running backs guards. on
0: the offense. What about uh, the defense?
4: Let's do the offense for every one of them. We'll, all right, Jackson. I,
0: can I repeat what the same well, position? You, or you, you can, do? but give us a second then. We do all we don't obviously know Chubb Hunt. That's kind of an easy layup unless we're including fullbacks. And then Johnny Stanton just takes the cake for everyone.
1: So obviously, yeah, it's running backs, but <sighs> who's next? You know, honestly, I feel good about the tight end room. I like Najoku and Bryant. Like, yeah, but obviously behind it, there's a lot of unknown. Do they add a third one, a veteran Darren Fells, please. But I like the tight end room. I have big expectations for Najoku. I do think this is the year he finally breaks out. only took him, uh, Five NFL seasons to do so, but I like him, and I think people are underestimating Harrison Bryant. Now he elevates to the tight end two role. He's shown flashes his first couple of years. I could see him having a solid year as well as the second tight end. So outside of the running back room, I feel good about the tight end room.
0: I know that, and I'm curious on your take on the tight ends because that's an interesting one. I've seen a lot of media reports, Browns.com, Cleveland.com, on this Marcos uh, Marcus Santos Silva. Yeah. 6'6, 260 basketball guy converting. I, I don't know if we'll see expectations, but I am. I think I'm going to keep my eye on 87 this offseason. Uh, as we're coming into camp here, obviously the legendary Seth the Valve did everything he could under the number 87, but he's a guy I kind of want to see what he can do because obviously we saw the transition pretty quickly with Antonio Gates. But uh, Santos Silva is one guy that I think from that room with his athletic profile. I'm sure he spar- uh, was pretty high on the, uh, the RAS scores. I don't know if he even had one, Jack, but, um, but yeah, so that's, that's an interesting one. So we got running backs, tight ends. Owen, you're stuck with a bronze medal.
3: Yeah. I'm i uh, I'm going offensive line yet. This would have been my pick anyway, I think. Um, I just think they're, they're going to be healthier. I think than last season, I think they were quite beat up last season. Um, I think when it comes to Nick Harris, he just has to be okay. I think. You know, when you look at Petonio and Taylor, both sides of him, you know, all pro-caliber players, That you shouldn't have too much of a problem there. I think Jed's going to come on uh, this season. I hope he does, and I think he will. And then um, you've got Hubbard coming in as a swing tackle as well, which, you know, adds a little bit more healthy depth. So I think, so I think you know, last season, like I said, I think they were beat up, and I think just that health returning to that unit makes them, makes them much much stronger going forward
0: it's it's an interesting one because I think when we talked a little bit about the suspension the offensive line obviously anchored by Bill Callahan right so that's you know Jack has talked about it I know Jackson you've talked about it on your shows and Owen is this is your virginity podcast you've said nothing about any of these offensive line things ever in the past before on recorded air but I think that you're right in the sense that Bill Callahan, if there's somebody that can make it functional and work, and when you have the QB sneak champion of the world and Jacoby Brissett possibly lining up at center, I do think that the run game, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, and we've talked about it before, the zone blocking scheme, they get guys that are fitting the scheme. If they can turn and piggyback off of the running room, all they have to do is hand the ball off to Nick Chubb. And if I know as a guard, I mean, Wyatt Teller, fifth round pick benched by, you know, the previous offensive line coach, now he's top 10 in the league, according to the GMs that just did the poll. If Jed Wills knows that he has to run and kick block and get outside of that, I mean, he has got, he's got Joe Thomas teaching him. I mean, the guy's got enough resources, but if he knows what his specific job is to do, I think we could really see that pass blocking efficiency, run blocking efficiency of the offensive line kind of take an uptick, you know, because what we were top five two years ago, what did we finish last year? Top 10?
4: Uh, maybe it, two years ago is number one in both.
0: Yeah. And I think this last year I think we, our average was top 10 history. and that's with Blake Hans even in there, but there are some interesting names, but the one position group that I think obviously we touched on running backs, tight ends, offensive line, the wide receiver room. We have a 500 wide receivers right now on the roster. I mean, if you go to the rounds website, you have to basically like decrease your resolution to get them all in there, whether it's David Bell, Jamarcus Bradley, Amari Cooper, Jakeem Grant, Guys I've never heard of, like Mike Harley, Travel Harris, you know. But we've got all these other guys. Donovan Peoples-Jones, Anthony Schwartz, Javon Wims, the guy from the Bears who clearly knows how to throw a right hook. Michael Woods, you know, late-round draft pick out of Oklahoma. And then the guy that everybody thinks is going to turn into Calvin Johnson, Isaiah Weston. How do we evaluate the wide receiver room on offense? Because we all stayed away from it just because of the uncertainty. So we'll go reverse order. Owen, um, what do you think about the wide receiver room?
3: Yeah, I think I've made my feelings quite clear over the last couple of months in our group chat that I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, I think there's a lot of projection, obviously, past Amari Cooper. Um, I think a lot of people expect you know big, big things from Donovan Peoples-Jones. I like him. I've been a fan since before the draft, as Jack knows. Um, do I think he can be... You know, say that
0: as you're wearing an Ohio State shirt, which is just ironic to me.
3: Yeah, it is, but... um. <laughs> Um, I think, I think he can do a good job as a number two. Um, Is he, is he ready for it? We'll see this year. I'm not a huge fan of Anthony Schwartz. Um, You know, I could see exactly why they drafted him. Um, But I'm not a huge fan. He needs to, he needs to be a much better wide receiver than he was last year. Or I think towards the end of the season, he'll be, you know, struggling for a spot on the, on the roster, to be honest. So, um, I think there's a lot of projection, but at the minute, you know, I'm not a huge fan of it
1: myself. Jackson. I like Cooper, but that was a great acquisition that they got. Um, getting him from the Cowboys love Donovan people's Jones. I think he's a perfect wide receiver too. I expect big things out of him this year, but behind that, there's a lot of question marks you, David Bell. I think the expectations are going to be too big for him. He's a third round pick. You know, if he can catch, like, 50 balls this year, that would be a great start to his uh, NFL career. Anthony Schwartz I loved last year coming out of Auburn. I hope he can have a healthy, full training camp because he didn't get that last year. And then, you know, he was not the best route runner last year, gave up on a few balls, ended up getting picked off. Um, Then, obviously, the concussion against New England really screwed up his rookie year. But he started coming on the last couple games of the season. So, hopefully, he can get on track be a, a solid three or four wide receiver but then all behind that just a lot of unknown i like what i seen out of isaiah weston but he's older he was undrafted for a reason the measurables everything the tape looked good but i mean he was playing north dakota states of the world i mean so we'll see how it is with that but like everybody else in that wide receiver room is a complete unknown which is why i still say they need to go get another veteran at some point, maybe after the, like the first week of camp, maybe they dip their toe back into the veteran market and bring somebody in. But outside of Cooper and people's Jones, the whole room's a question mark to me.
0: The crazy part is we have 11 guys and, you know, Jack, I think you've talked about this before about signing veterans. When you have 11 guys and only two of them are even named proven, it's kind of good to fill that room with a bunch of guys. You want to come in and just see get snaps, but you know, Jack, you kind of made a point. I don't know, it was probably about two or three shows ago, which feels like months ago about how Jakeem grant was like our, what second highest paid wide receiver on the roster. So um, we have Anthony Schwartz who obviously has a giant question mark hanging over his head. We have Jakeem grant. We obviously don't have a lot of cap allocated to this wide receiver room. So Jack overall, what's your thoughts on the wide receiver room and what can they possibly do piggybacking a little bit off of what Jackson said in terms of, do they want to allocate any more money there or they just want to keep it for all over?
4: Yeah, so it, there's a lot of potential in the room. There's not much proven product. And Amari Cooper has been good the last sort of couple of years, but we have to really go back to that first sort of year in Dallas where he blew up. And then since then, it's like, it's, it, it's good, but it's not, hey, this dude is easy, 20 million worth of wide receiver, blah, blah, blah. He's, he's amazing. He's in that DK Metcalf sort of, these really young explosive players so
0: real quick on team. that jack if you had to rank amari cooper cd lamb michael gallup in dallas what's your I ranking
4: put him second in there behind uh cd lamb
0: so you so he wasn't even the best he was 20 million dollar but he was the second best. okay carry on yeah. i just wanted to because i wanted to check and see if you even thought he was the best receiver in dallas because i agree with you
4: so it's one where the, who knows what these guys are going to out and produce. We know five of them, I'd say, are locks. You've got Cooper, you've got DPJ, you've got Bell, you've got Schwartz, and you've got uh, Grant, just because of the deal. You've got Felton, that I think will make the running back room, as we spoke before, but he can loop in there. But you're looking at one more. And the reason why they probably haven't signed anyone yet is because if you go out and sign Julio Jones, then you're saying, hey, we're going to cut Michael Woods. Michael Woods hasn't even had training camp yet and so it's that really difficult and there's other positions where this same discussion comes in michael wood's western one of these might guys might be good so let's see what they can do and then in maybe after the first week of camp they're like yeah they, they sent it um let's go get somebody so i think it's just going to be a case of they'll want to suss them out and see what they can do um and who knows someone there might get injured and then uh you then push uh someone yeah. up and uh, bring the next guy in
0: absolutely but i i think and i'm curious jack yours on this is with chad o'shea obviously former patriots wide receiver coach do you think they're taking a similar approach to kind of what belichick did in new england you know they never really had a cooper they had the rainy moss obviously but it just seems like with michael woods six one two o four. 204 i i kind of like that size i i've seen some things out of him right obviously being 22 so there's a guardrails pick there but I just see a lot of similarities to what O'Shea did in his previous stops. And he was always able to produce talent, Super Bowl caliber talent. So let's just clarify that. I'm not saying because of the Browns wide receivers, we're going Super Bowl, but do you think that's kind of their plan?
4: Yeah, I think with the modern NFL, it's more important to have like almost three twos in terms of quality rather than a one-two and a three. Um I think getting at least 3-2 so that third guy is good is really important because you're going to pass the ball a lot more. Passing continues to grow more important. It's going to happen again with a changing quarterback. So they just need to keep improving it. Um, so no, I, th- I think they're just going to keep adding more talent. It's the position room that most needs the overhaul coming into uh, this season and beyond, but Yeah, it could be a position room that we sat here in a year's time going. We had to completely rebuild it because it wasn't good.
0: To be fair, Um, you were saying that last year, and we had $40 million tied up into two guys. So Jack's message has been the same. It's just different faces to apply the same message to. But, well, that covers the offense. So, Jack, we gave you – go ahead.
4: One more bit. Amari Cooper might not be back next year. And people say, hey, that's nuts. He's our best guy they are not committed to 20 million into him next year. That's the option next year and the option the year after. So he's going to have to show he is a 20 million uh, wide receiver. Or they'll be like, yeah, we're good. Um, And they might even trade him off um, because they can just go give that deal to someone else. Yeah. yeah,
0: I would say it's, I'd say it's better than 50 50 that he's not back next year, but we'll see. He goes out and puts up 1500 yards and we'll be quickly buying our Amari Cooper. Number two jerseys to just quickly burn the previous number twos in this last decade. But all right, so defensively, the room you're most comfortable with defensive on the defensive side of the ball.
4: Corner. Now specifically,
0: we're going to separate the safeties, the corners, the linebackers, the edges, and the tackles. They're all going to be separate. So I know with, I will bet every dollar I have that you are not going to say D tackle But what about you saying secondary corners or safeties?
4: Corner, just corner, not not safeties. Um, I still need to see more out of the safety room. But corner, just in terms of talent and depth, because people go down. I feel really, really good about five of them. Ward, um, Greedy, Newsome, um, Emerson, I, I, I'm happy with where he's looking, and AJ Green um, was great. So I, I just feel great there. Um, the three of them are going to be out in it. Nearly all the time playing. Um, The issue we've got on will come to edge. There's just for me, it's a a lack of depth. Um, It's all unproven. And whereas a corner, you can expect X player to go out and play 100% of snaps, Miles Garrett's only playing 66% of snaps. So you're then suddenly saying, hey, Stephen Weatherly, you're getting a third of snaps, or somebody's getting a third of snaps. So it's all good having Miles Garrett. But you also have to accept Miles Garrett's effectively missing a third of every game. That's just the position. That's nothing to do with Miles Garrett being injured or anything. But Miles Garrett misses a third of every game because it's a rotation position. And uh, that for me is why I think they're going to get there in the future with adding Western, adding Wright, and I think they'll um, add more people. But it's
0: not there yet. Ironically enough, we talked about how there's 11 guys in the wide receiver room. They only have nine corners, and you just said five of them you feel pretty confident about. So we felt confident about one and a half, maybe two in the wide receiver room out of 11, but you had five out of the nine corners where, you know what, I think I would feel comfortable lining them up. Um, what about you, Jackson? Because now one thing that they did talk about with Denzel Ward, and I've said it before, so I'm going to carry this on to you, Jackson, is he was rated, I think, the seventh best corner, uh, but one of the things listed was durability because of his size. So I, I'm guessing, do you agree? Corner would be the top room you're comfortable with. And if so, what's the second best, but touch a little bit on Denzel Ward and the durability.
1: Yeah, I would agree. Corner is the uh, the room on the defense that I feel most comfortable with. That's always been the knock on Denzel Ward is his durability. He missed, I think, four games as rookie year, four games the year after that. I think he only missed two or three in 2020 and then he only missed I think two three again last year so his durability seems to be getting better but that's always going to be the knock on him also I think the other knock on him is he doesn't create enough turnovers he has 10 career interceptions in four seasons but you know you look at these other corners it seems like they rack up more turnovers I mean didn't Diggs have 10 interceptions last year himself so that's just kind of that's the one thing. Um, but the other room I feel most comfortable with, linebacker. I think JOK is going to blossom this year. Uh, he's He's got a more prominent role than he did a year ago coming in this time. Um, Anthony Walker, I think, was a solid free agent acquisition last year. Glad they brought him back. A lot of people sleep on Sione Taki. I think he played better last year and did more things. And then, obviously, the wild card in this room, Jacob Phillips. Can he stay – healthy because i feel like the browns hope that the linebackers going forward are phillips and jok in the middle of that defense so i think all eyes are going to be on phillips this year if a he can be healthy and b can he finally be what the browns wanted him to be when they drafted him a couple years ago what about tony fields that's the other guy too obviously we didn't see much of him last year um people compared him to he was like a jok light coming out of he was in west virginia correct so i would be interested to see him and then silas kelly was a guy that people were talking about during rookie mini camp and mini camp obviously he's got the long locks um so let's see what he can do he's willie big. harvey's back again yeah he's a
0: big dude i don't know if you realize jack have you ever seen the size of this silas kelly dude he's nope. 6'4 230 for a yeah. linebacker six four. geez willie harvey these guys are like 5'11 six foot jacob phillips is six three, but yeah 6'4 230 i was like that's a big boy and then they
1: added Dakota Allen, who I don't know much about. They added him late in the mini camp process. So uh, they have eight linebackers right now on the roster. So we know at least four or five of them are going to be there. Like who's going to be the odd man out. It's going to be interesting.
0: I think we've talked about this Duffin. before is I think a lot of the linebackers are going to make all their hands special teams. And I think one of the reasons I know, Jack, we've talked about it before is one of the reasons I'm comfortable with linebacker is because we're not going to expect them to do that much. Most of them are going to be in briefers room anyway. So I agree. I think that that is the room. I think they've developed exactly how they've envisioned it. Right. I think that the guys they've picked, everybody kind of fills a role. Um, and I'm, I'll be curious to see what Taki Taki's role is coming through, because obviously he's been the run stuffer for now. And they don't really have, I mean, Walker a little bit, but, He's more of a cerebral guy, so, and it's a contract year for Taki Taki, too. So there you go. Well, Elliot Wolf, if he's still working, he's gonna bring him out and say, "Come follow me." But all right, so we've got corner, we've got linebacker. Oh, and what do you got?
3: I'm actually gutted Jackson took linebacker because I was gonna go there too. I think oh. Jackson. Detached. Jackson asked us all for hot takes like two, or three weeks ago in the group, and and mine was that, um, the JOK is gonna be an All Pro this season. I do, I genuinely do believe that. So um i think he's gonna have a really good yeah Miles I think Garrett worked
0: have,
3: him. i think he's going to have a a massive massive year for the brown so um i would have gone linebacker but now that's gone i'd go probably go safety i think john johnson came on a lot when he was used the way i think they envisaged him being used towards the latter parts of the season last season so um with that with that room being exactly what it was last season um, I think there's continuity there. I think they're going to be able to bring Grant a bit more into the fold this year, and I expect him to come on leaps and bounds as well. So I think the safety room is actually quite exciting uh, this season. I think as long as they use use them how they're supposed to be used, um, use you know Harrison as you know a sort of linebacker in in Diamond Nickel. I think yeah, I think you could have some good production out of the safeties this season.
0: Safety is an interesting one because I think we obviously have the same guys back, right? John Johnson, Ronnie Harrison, Grant Delprin. Um, If anyone else wants to weigh in the safety room, just let me know because do we think we're going to see, I'll, I'll put this out to the group. Do we think that we're going to see the same style of safety play? Joe Woods hasn't changed. The guys haven't changed. Overall, what do we think of the safeties? We'll start. Jackson, you got anything you want to add on that?
1: I just wonder like what, how they're going to handle this. Because I don't think John Johnson is a true free safety. And you know, like we have Delpit, we have Harrison. They're gonna they're in their roles, and I think they'll flourish in those. I just don't know if John Johnson's the right fit to be a free safety in this defense. And it makes me wonder like how they're gonna handle it. Are they gonna are they hoping Richard LeCount takes more of a step and where he could be the free safety and they roll out Delpit and Harrison and then or Delpit and Johnson, and then Harrison is in a rotational role, like. I just the free safety spot just feels uneasy to me just because I don't think John Johnson's a good fit there. I don't know if you guys agree. What about Joe
0: Hayden? Joe Hayden.
1: I'm I'm all for it. We've talked about it during the offseason. Like if Hayden wanted to come do a one-year deal here and be a free safety. I mean, we know he's a ball hawk. He's gotten his fair share of interceptions. I think he could make the transition there, but I just don't feel like John Johnson. We didn't bring him here to be a free safety. We brought him here to be the leader of the def- one of the leaders on defense and to play the way he played in LA and he wasn't a free safety there. So I just feel like they need to figure that situation out.
0: Jack.
4: I, I think the safety room's fine. Um I thought they would have done something else because Ronnie Harrison's okay to bring back, but it's a bit of a liability last year. Um <laughs> l- loves himself a flag. <laughs> um I yeah. Grant Delpit, we, we've seen some flashes. Um, we've seen some, um, yeah. John Johnson really picked up the second half of the season, so I, I haven't looked schematically into what happened. But if he they can find that niche of whatever he was doing and keep focusing on that, that will hopefully uh bring it together.
0: I'm gonna let you guys in behind the curtain on something and you're going to see the articles, I'm sure in three weeks when camp starts, but uh, Grant Delput has spent quite a bit of time on his physical physique this off season. Um, I think he came in just a shade over 200 pounds out of the draft. I think his frame can carry more. And uh, my sources tell me that you're probably going to see him maybe in that mid 215 15 to 220 range playing at six, three. So you're going to see a little bit more size on him this year, but from what they're saying is his quickness has actually gotten better. Uh, the full year out from the Achilles. So don't be surprised if you see the body transformation articles on Grant Delpit um, coming up here pretty soon in a couple of weeks, but the irony here is the best player on the Browns, miles Garrett. I don't think anybody's arguing that is in the defensive line room. We talked about corners. We talked about safeties. We talked about linebackers. We didn't talk about the defensive line overall. And as everybody knows, George Karloftis was my guy going into the draft. until we did that. And the reason I said it is because our D line is underdeveloped in terms of youth, in terms of just patchwork thing. Well, the Browns bring back Jadavian Clowney, which we didn't think was a realistic possibility until they made the Watson trade. So you've got a decent amount of money. You've got two former number one overall picks in Clowney and Garrett. And yet no one said, defensive edge in terms of what you're comfortable with so i want to talk overall about the d line both the edges and the tackles there's not really too much to say about the tackles because there's a whole lot of better prove yourself but overall owen what are your thoughts on the defensive line and what are you expecting to see this year from the very very important position group
3: i think jack brought it up earlier it's the depth that worries me there like if we Cloney has missed time in pretty much every season he's he's had, apart from last season. So the the worry I have with Cloney coming back is whether he can have two full healthy seasons back to back. I tend to think probably not if we're looking at it realistically. And then that puts a lot of pressure on Alex Wright to come in as a rookie, probably. Um, and yeah, the depth behind Miles and and uh, Jadavian Cloney does worry me a little bit. Um, So that's why I didn't go for edge. um, That's why I didn't go for edge in my pick. Um, It's just purely depth-based, but obviously the the two that are going to be out there, hopefully for the majority of the time, you know, they can win us games on their own really.
0: And it's odd because they brought in a couple of these like low-key, low-tier vets, right? They brought in Stephen Weatherly. They brought in Isaac Rochelle. So they've brought in a couple of guys also, obviously, drafting Alex Wright, and then they've brought in Chase Winovich on the trade, so they've addressed it trying to get the depth. It's just we just don't believe it, Jackson. What are your thoughts? Like, they've obviously taken a shot at getting depth, but we just don't believe it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I like Chase Winovich last year. I'm still trying to figure out what happened because he had two solid seasons, and last year, I think he got hurt early, and just the production wasn't there. You mentioned they added Weatherly and Rochelle. Weatherly's had at least like 20 pressures in like three out of the last four seasons each. So that's not bad. Uh, Rochelle, I just, I'm calling him the TikTok King cause I guess that's what he's most known for outside of his football play. I love the pick of Alex, right? That seemed to be the consensus amongst Brown's Twitter. They also added Isaiah Thomas. I think that gets overlooked cause he was a late round pick. So yeah, they did address the edge room. Obviously you have miles and Clowney, but they need to keep addressing it. Um, I don't think you need to keep spending mid to late round picks on guys. I like you, Ian. I was in the George Karloftis camp. Obviously that didn't happen once the Watson trade went through. Um, I like what we have in the room, but there's just a lot of question marks. Obviously Wright and Thomas are rookies. Not really major expectations for them this year, but the veteran depth could have been a little better. But also I understand they, they can't allocate all this money into the edge room like we would
0: want them to. Oh, when you talk money, you're talking Duffins. So, Jack, obviously, when you have Miles Garrett, right, who's – I forget what percentage of the cap he is. You probably have it memorized and tattooed on Yeah, what percentage? So that's just under 10%. Is this what we're going to have to see coming into the edge room moving forward in the sense that we're going to only have veteran role-playing guys? Because, I mean, we obviously – The D tackle room suffering, but we don't, we know that they don't really like D tackles all that much, but the cap implication Jack.
4: Yeah. I I think you're probably looking at two, two main guys on decent money talking like over seven and a half mil. Um, And Hey, they're they're the two people we're happy with. I'd say there's two other guys that I'm happy with their talent based on their roster spot. And so Perry and Winfrey is your fourth DT. Hey, I I like that. Um, Alex Wright is your fourth edge. I like that. Um, the issue is, it's that lack of DT one, two, three It's the lack of edge three that I feel great about because yeah, I, I think there's going to be some interesting stuff. We'll see off Winovich, but at the same time, Hey, you can't go out there on first down. Cause if, if you have an issue where clown out hurt or something, you're not going to rely on Winovich on first down or uh, an obvious run play because that's not his skill set. So that's almost a, a, the risk aspect of something going wrong. Um, but, yeah, over time, we're just going to see more and more draft picks piled into this. Um, it's certainly a leader in the clubhouse for Edge just being our first pick next year. Um, because – In, that, the, sec- in the second sense. round? Our first pick, yeah. I didn't say our first round, it was not our first pick. Um, Reminder: so brown fans, we don't
0: have a first round pick next year, or the year after that, or the. Yeah. But it'll still be our
4: first pick. Correct. Yeah. Don't matter where it comes. Um, just because if you're thinking about Clowney moves on, you've got Alex Wright. Um, who knows whether uh, Western even makes the roster because they might want Weatherly there because then they oh. have some more confidence on where they're at because as I said, Clowney goes down, Alex writes then starting week one potentially. Um I, I it's just gonna need more and more resources because it's a rotation position. It's not like quarterback, it's not like O-line, it's not like corner, even linebacker where you go, hey, that dude plays hundred percent of snaps.
0: Do we see the guys that we're talking about? The Garrett's and the Clownies rotating inside. You know, we obviously talk about that defensive tackle void with Taven Bryan, Sheldon Day's back, Jordan Elliott. Um Togi, I still has a lot to prove. And then obviously uh, Perrion Winfrey, but how much do you think that we're going to utilize these expensive? Because what's Clowney 12 million. What was the number?
4: Eight and a half, nine. With incentives. Oh, there's some incentives in there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So we're talking about, you know, with Garrett 25, with Clowney 10s, give or take, how much are we going to rotate them into that quote unquote, what they call the NASCAR package where, I mean, do we really want Miles Garrett banging inside with guards or we'd rather leave him on the Island? You know, that's, we were talking about some of this depth, Chase Winovich, Isaac Rochelle, Stephen Weatherly, leaving them out there. Or do we move them inside? Like how much of the edge room is going to contribute you think in the defensive tackle room?
4: I I think they'll definitely do some, I think a lot of it's going to depend what happens on first down. Um, because if we're looking at second and three, then you don't want your edges naturally inside there. Um, whether if you're looking at second and ten, boom, get more edges out there. So um, I think it's really going to shift. Um, and to be fair, Joe Woods has done a good job of that sort of—he flips his linebackers around all the time. Um, I think we're going to see that in different situations as well.
0: Owen, oh, in an ideal world, what are you what are you expecting for the D, the D tackle position? Obviously, we talked about those guys.
3: I think they've built it with, you know, the hope that they're going to, you know, be leading by a bunch of points. And then, you know, the run becomes less effective for the other team. So I think a lot of it actually weirdly depends on the offense. I think if the offense can score enough points, I don't think the D tackle room matters as much. So weirdly, my answer would be it depends how potent the offense is.
0: Jackson, D tackles. You know, I'm not a big fan. Like I don't know how I mean Taven Bryan baby Florida State.
1: I do like Taven Bryan because Jack convinced me of him when we were doing the uh, positional breakdowns earlier at the beginning of the year. I like Taven Bryan. I liked Jordan Elliott coming out of Missouri. I I get you know it's a be year three for him. He's gonna be a starter, but his snap count increased like two hundred last year, and his grades got worse. So like, am I hopeful he breaks out this year and becomes an impact player? Of course. Do I think it's going to happen? No. You, we're obviously going to see more out of Togi, Parry on Winfrey. Like right now, it's all bark, but let me see some bite, and then I'll be convinced. Sheldon Day was decent last year in his role, but it's just like this room as a whole. I don't get excited about. That's why I'm still pushing for either Sheldon Richardson or Ndamukong Suh to come in here to help this room out some. I think, that, but obviously, like you guys have said, if they bring in a veteran who they get rid of Jordan Elliott will obviously be, I think the first guy to go, but I don't think that's going to happen because this is one of Barry's draft picks. So do they bring in a veteran at some point during camp? I say they do, but at the same time, I have no problem with them letting the young guys get the reps, get the experience to see if they can break out and
0: notch a spot in this and the rotation. I had a conversation about two weeks ago um, with a gentleman who I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say like they're best friends, but they're well acquainted and with Larry Johnson out of Ohio state. So the guy that we talked about was Tommy Togiai and Larry Johnson spoke very, very highly. So he, Larry ran a camp and everybody knows he's one of the most respected people. His son was the running back. He's one of the most respected defensive line coaches, recruiters in all of college football. And he thinks that Tommy Togiai is still on the ascent of, you know, his career. He's young, obviously going into the season, he's 22. So he's a guy that I'm really going to watch because I think that Togiai has, he's not your Aaron Donald. So stop because I know they're in the two nineties. There's only one Aaron Donald throw, throw that one out. He's the outlier, right? But Togiai is quick enough inside, but he's also powerful enough to where Jack and you guys have mentioned, you know, if it's second and 10, you got to bring in three edges. I think they want to have a rotation of the Taven Bryan and the Tommy Togiai style of D-tackles where I put them in that kind of one-three split inside to where now I can generate pass rush because Togiai has the hand strength. He's young, he's developing. He's now going up against the men in there, but he's the one guy that, you know, and obviously I'm taking the word of his former coach. So obviously there's a little bit of bias that's there, but, this is a guy who's obviously well respected and thinks that Tommy Togiai is a guy who, come year two, three, four, you should be able to see something tangible out of that. So, Jack, I mean, you've made your. You need to add anything to the D tackle room. I mean, we've we've talked about the lack thereof. I mean, the the biggest feather we have to put in our hat is the fact that we guessed Taven Bryan to the Browns and not happened. So, anything else you need to add regarding the D tackle room?
4: Yeah, no, I, th- I think Jackson hit the nail on the head that. To- if a guy's getting, if they're signing a guy to replace Jordan Elliott, um, and it would be the case that they sign someone and they, they wouldn't cut Jordan Elliott straight away. They, they'd they do it at the end of the camp based on no one getting injured. Um, but that that would be the route where it would happen. Uh, Sheldon Richardson for me is where I'd go. Obviously, Jack, that,
0: that's the move. So we've talked a little bit about cap allocations in certain places. We talked a little bit about how it's going to be affected. So, Jack, I want to open up the floor to a little bit of your over the cap slash uh, OBR expertise. Right now the Browns are listed at like $48 million in cap space or something like that. So we've talked a little bit about certain positions in certain areas where the Browns have spent money versus where the Browns could spend money. So do we see the Browns using a lot of this $48 million in cap space? And I say that in kind of air quotes, but, Jack, overall, the cap.
4: Yes, yeah, so we've looked might... at
0: it in a one, two, and three-year window. So let's let's branch a little bit over that kind of that window.
4: Yeah, there might be another eight point four million coming onto the cap this year, uh, based on the numbers that over the cap have, because we still don't know how they've structured Baker's money. They might, they still, they've still got paid ten not point five million, but they might structure it that eight point four. That is next year, um, and that's purely like. Semantics, it doesn't really matter, um, but they generally push it, all the money out as much as they can. Um, just do they use much? It? Not really. Um, if some incredible opportunity comes up, they might jump on it, but I think a lot of it's going to roll over. Some's going to go and practice squad, um, some in season moves because someone gets injured and they sign someone. Um, because if some say someone's on a million, they go to IR, you still need to sign another million um, player. So that then adds more cost. Yeah, they're, they're going to roll over nearly all of it. Um, right, right now,
0: just to give you an idea, so using over the cap, because that's what we use here, you go to the Browns 2023 cap space, we are right now in the hole, $31 million. So if we were just push simulate for the rest of the season, the Browns would need to roll $31 million in available cap from this year into next year, just to break even because our active cap spend next year is at $249 million versus in 2022 right now our active spend is $138 million. So I know that you've bantered with Banner and a few other people on Twitter about the structure of some of these contracts, but right now you're looking at an active cap spend jump of 111 million dollars. So when people ask about, oh, I mean, I know I've seen it out there. Well, we have 48 million dollars. Let's go out and sign everybody. It's like, well, yeah, that's a great idea, except it's not. And here's why. So 31 million.
4: Yeah, and it's one that Watson, they'll redo his contract. So if it's a full-year suspension, his contract will kick into next year and be really, really cheap next year. So um, we'd still get him. And it's why I would say 10 sort of uh, it's right on the fence. If it's actually more than 10, I would rather have a full season than 12 games because what that does is move his entire contract back a year and then he's cheap next year and you get the sixth year effectively on the deal because zero to well one to five becomes uh two to six so yeah they'll restructure his deal if he's got less than a full year so they'll easily get under but as you said they're not going to out blow all this money they might sign Darren Fell style tight end they might spend five million on a defensive tackle or five million on a wide receiver could be both but I think it's probably one of them um and that's pretty much it
0: And they've pretty much done the contract extensions for the players, not named Charlie Hewlett at this point. I know Jackson, obviously that's a a shout out to you, brother. Um, When would we expect the young guys? Maybe do we expect two weeks, three weeks, Jackson? I'll talk. I'll pass this one to you. How, how long into camp do you think the Browns will let these young guys take their reps before they start looking to say, okay. Who are the veteran options that we can plug? Because maybe, you know, Santos Silva isn't working out and we need a tight end three like a Darren Fells. Do we think that happens preseason? What are our thoughts, Jackson? I would say after the
1: first preseason game, which I think is Jacksonville, because then you have a full two weeks of camp. You have a game. So it's plenty of film to look and see, hey, is Jordan Elliott, Tommy I, are these guys panning out? Yeah, like you mentioned, Santos Silva, these guys panning out. How are the wide receivers looking both in practice and in a game to where they're like, okay, let's go dip our toe back in the free agency market. We can get these guys relatively cheap because they've been waiting all year for a contract. We can get them on a league minimum type deal. I would give it a full two weeks of practice and then that first preseason game against Jacksonville to then reset and reassess the roster to be like, what do we really need to get? can we go get something in the trade market or do we need to go sign a veteran like a Darren
0: Fells or somebody? Oh, and do you watch the preseason games?
3: Uh, I tend to watch them the day after because they don't mean much to me. So um, I'm not staying up until three o'clock in the morning to catch them, uh, catch them playing the preseason game.
0: I mean, come on now, if it was exhibition, I mean, I, I don't see how you don't It's invigorating football always bet (laughs) the unders, right?
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, Jack, does that in terms of contracts and stuff like that is that kind of what Jackson said? Does that fall in line with your thinking?
4: Yeah, no. It's, it, it, everything will more or less fall into place um, and who knows you've got the wild card of Jimmy G as well. Um, I don't think they trade for Jimmy G. If Jimmy G ends up getting cut and Watson suspended for a year that's a legitimate move, I could see
1: them making. But they were not interested in him three months ago, three, four months ago. I mean, yeah, they could get him at their cost then, but if they weren't interested in him then, what makes me, I don't think they would sign well, him now.
4: Three months ago, it required a trade so they'd have to give up a second or a third which is what they were asking for. True. Um, and they'd have to pay him 24 mil. If he's cut and we're talking about, hey, it's 10 mil and Watson's out for the season, which wasn't really ever in discussion at that point then i I think it's something you can look at
0: do you think the seahawks would be bidding on him is that your kind of competition there
4: (sighs) the seahawks are committed to the tank in the same way they committed to running on first down
0: (laughs) (laughs) And, and drafting late round running backs whenever they don't trade back yeah you know, for as much praise as John Snyder gets, he, he held that, he held that ship together, but at this point it is a set sail, but you know, something low risk like Jimmy, I mean, do they really, we really think Geno Smith. I mean, I know there was a lot of banter before Baker got traded to Carolina, but Garoppolo for me, obviously he's, I think he's a better looking human than he is a quarterback. I mean, if I'm being honest uh, he's local to the area, he's very well liked around the area. I will say you will not hear a bad thing said about uh, Jimmy Garoppolo out here in the Arlington Heights, Northwestern burbs area, but he just doesn't do it for me. I mean, he just, whether you're giving him 24 million, 10 million, 8 million. I mean, I've seen it. I've seen it. I'm good. I, I don't, I don't know what more there is to be gained there. And if the Watson saga becomes what it could be and the, the reporting on that has just been so just all over the map. It's, it's mind boggling. Now, I mean, did you, I, the cryptic tweets by Josina Anderson, right? We, we've hit a new level. So if they do decide to go the, the Garoppolo route, I just hope they don't overpay. I think in the terms of, don't give me expectations for this guy, if you give him $10 million. Right. But we've, we've, we've staved it off long enough now, but we've kind of segued a little bit here into the, uh, the quarterback room josh dobbs nuclear scientist or whatever the hell he was at tennessee smart guy never has done much in terms of actually playing quarterback jacoby Brissett, famously known for his ability to convert short yardage situations by plowing his big ass forward and when you have guards like we do man he's recipes for success here but there is this guy deshaun watson I will say openly, I think I don't think anybody listening to this podcast really wonders where I stand on him. I'm not a Deshaun Watson fan. I don't even think that he is a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. I think he's a top 12 to 15 quarterback. I think he's great. If you're a fan, if you're a fantasy team, I think he's great for that. He mops up garbage time. Now, in saying that, I can also acknowledge that his weapons in Houston and the situation in Houston did not seem like a huge recipe for success. And I know that a lot of times players in certain environments will do better uh, based on their overall talent. I mean, there's no doubting that Deshaun Watson is a talented quarterback. Accuracy was a little bit of an issue coming out of Clemson back in 2017. Hence why he fell to 12 in the draft. Let's not make it seem like he was the number one pick. I believe he was the third quarterback taken in that draft behind uh, Ohio's finest, Mitchell Trubisky, my that. But in terms of regardless of what he did, or didn't do in terms of criminal and civil and all that other stuff. My overall stance on it is when you're a grown man and you're a leader of an organization and somebody that's commanding $230 million, I just want to see better decision-making skills. So I, I wasn't there. I don't know specifically what happened, but I can't give them the benefit of the doubt. That's, I think the, the big thing. And that is where, when we talk about Brown social media and we talk about a majority of, discussions between fans it comes down to some people are willing to give him the benefit of the doubt and some people aren't jack duffin doesn't really care jack has made it very clear they he thinks from a transactional standpoint it was a very good call in the same sense we talked jackson earlier about how one player does not define memories for us whether it's with you know fathers and brothers and sisters and uncles or going down to the old muni lot for me or First Energy Stadium, which lacks a lot of things, freezing my ass off, you know, Thursday night football games, they're, they're all there. And then they bring in Deshaun Watson. And this is a guy who's just morally vacuous, in my opinion. And whether he consensually did what he did, it is what it is. It doesn't matter to me because for you to have relations with 66 women over the course of an 18-month stretch, that, that to me is just – you're opening yourself up. Now it's not quite like the Zach Wilson saga. Have you seen this one guys? (laughs) (laughs) That when he walks into that locker room, he's going to get a whole lot of high fives for that one. The drama that this guy's bringing right now is just, it's, it's tough. And Owen's pointed to it. It's taken a little bit of excitement. It's taken a little bit of mine as well. Um, Obviously I still follow what's going on. Um, But for the most part, He's a lightning rod at this point. And for the sake of the Browns and for the sake of everyone, it would be nice if the NFL would just make a damn decision. So I have to stop listening to a bunch of people chasing clout on the internet trying to tell me their hot takes. You know, I'm not going to throw anyone at the bus. I already had McNeil mad at me one time. That's this not again. McNeil. He's actually had a bunch of funny stuff. This is something far bef- before all this stuff. But uh the Sean Watson, Owen. Whatever uh what are your what are your what are your overall thoughts? I mean, I, we don't have to get into the criminal civil side of all that stuff, but just as a Browns fan, when you when somebody goes, what are your thoughts on Deshaun Watson? How do you answer?
3: I think um, you know we've talked about it at length pretty much every day for the last few months, and I think mine and your views have been quite aligned. I feel um, I think like like you touched on that it has taken away some of my excitement. I didn't want them to make this. This move um, in the lead up to it, where there was all those spaces and stuff. I think, you know, me and you were quite vocal that we really didn't want them to make this move. And when it did, you know, my heart dropped a little bit. Um, not nothing to do with it. I know whenever someone has these views, they, they're classed as a Baker broke because, you know, they obviously wanted Baker to go and win them a Super Bowl. But it had nothing to do with anything else other than I didn't want Deshaun Watson playing for the Browns. Um, that hasn't for me changed at all, like you said, the reporting on it has been so up and down it's been hard to get a read on on anything going on with it um but like you said my my feelings haven't changed really over the last few months um and I think it will be difficult in a way to watch him play for the for the first few times until you sort of get used to it um but yeah i i I can't see my opinions changing on him um unless. You know something really, you know, out of the ordinary came out in the next next month or two. Um, I can't see my opinion changing on him, but I think one thing that was really interesting—you you touched on Jack and and Jack not really caring about it since since day dot. I think Jackson's opinion on it has has been interesting to me because when it happened, I think me me and Ian were very much in the camp of, you know, being being a bit gutted, but Jackson for me, was, you know, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but, you know, there was, there was a tinge of excitement there, I think, at the start. And then, you know, the more stories that came out and the harder that it was to, to read these things, I think sort of you you came over to the other side in a way um, that it, it did become difficult. So, i would be interesting to hear Jackson's, Jackson's side of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, I always felt uneasy about the Browns adding him just because of the whole investigation was still looming. I am always been the guy that was like innocent until proven guilty. Now you look at it. There is, obviously there was what, 26, how many lawsuits were there? 26, 27. There was a, there's a big number. So there's something there. There's something there with Watson. And I've always been, like I said, I've always been the innocent until proven guilty. Do I think he did something? Yes. Do I think it was all of them? No, I'm going to say right there. I don't think all 26 women are being truthful. That said, anybody that's ever been sexually assaulted, had sexual misconduct against them, I feel for people like that. Now, when it comes to, I've always tried to separate too, Watson the person, Watson the football player. I understand why the Browns made this move. They wanted to upgrade at the quarterback position. Should they have gone down this road? Probably not because they did sell their soul for Deshaun Watson and pretty much sell their soul to get a Super Bowl. That said, like I think he should get punished because I do think he did something. Do I think the indefinite suspension should happen? Probably not. And we've had this debate in the group chat. When you compare him to what some of the owners in the league have done and how they got off kind of scotch free, I feel like that's messed up. I feel like there's a double standard to what the players have done and what have league executives and owners have done. But I've always felt uneasy about Watson. I think like Owen said, you know, the first couple of times out there, it's going to be like, man, this guy really is a quarterback of the Browns. Like, I don't, like I said, I don't know if I'm able, able to cheer him ever, but I feel like as time goes on, you're just going to have to like deal with it. Unfortunately, like people that have said they were done being Browns fans. Like I don't fault them for that. I'm not going to criticize the way some people on social media have, but at the end of the day, I'm still that guy. That's like, I want to let the whole thing play out. If he's guilty or held liable, I'm going to think he's even more scum than he is now. Cause I do think he has a, a problem that he does need to address but at the same time. I'm still wanting to let this situation all play out and wait to see what the league decides to do as well as in terms of a punishment.
0: Yeah. And it's something that has to play out. And, you know, I think what happens is people try to become lawyers on Twitter oh, yeah. and, you start getting all of these hot takes. I mean, there was, I forget the one guy in Cleveland that was doing all his stuff. And then there's some local media guys that want to kind of buck the trend and post videos about the other side and claim it to be critical thinking. The hardest part about the whole thing is as a fan, you're put in the impossible position because the Browns, I mean, I I can't blame Andrew Barry. I think I've said this before. Andrew Barry's job, he's paid like his livelihood is made to win football games. And Baker was trending downward. I think the inconsistencies and the downward trends, because I think I think even Jack Duffin would agree with this. If Baker went out and finished tw- or and played 2021 like he finished 2020, this isn't even a discussion, right? I think Baker gets the long-term extension he wants. I think probably Deshaun Watson's either in Atlanta or New Orleans. Um, and I think that the whole thing's different. It's that inconsistencies on the field that led Stefanski and Barry and them to look at Jimmy Haslam and say, what what do you want to do? So Haslam gets the ability to kind of sit and you mentioned about the owners and stuff. The NFL, unfortunately, is a league that is power driven, right? And there's different powered tiers from the owners. And listen, I'm not condoning what Robert Kraft did. I mean, Kraft was getting happy endings in a massage parlor with alleged human trafficking victims. Now, do I see that to be a little bit different than Deshaun Watson's? Yeah, only from the sense that the consensuality alleged, and I say that alleged, but there is a different power structure. And the NFL is the one who's made this bet, and Jack's mentioned it several times about the new disciplinary system. So here you are as a fan, and you're the ping pong ball, right? You're back and forth trying to figure out what it is to feel. But I think the one thing that I would say that's been – encouraging, at least to say this amongst Browns fans is we've been able to have the conversation, whether it's the four of us, whether it's other people in some sense, there's 10% of the morons out there. I don't include them, but in the past, when certain quarterbacks, whether it was Roethlisberger or other ones, the the conversations weren't had. I will just tell you right now. I mean, we all lived through those Roethlisberger days. The guy could have done no wrong. Pittsburgh fans were not going to change their opinions. They weren't going to have that reservation that we had. And listen, I get it's a little bit different when you try to sway a hotel person to come up to your room in Lake Tahoe, or you just usher somebody into an alley with the old pants down in the alley trick as he did in Georgia. It's a little bit different. I get it, but it's good to have the conversations because it kind of lets you know that there is a world outside of football. You know, Jack has built his world around cap and numbers and analytics, which makes it easy. But in terms of, the Browns commitments with Watson, Jack, because I mean, I think we know kind of your, the personal thoughts on it.
4: I'll, I'll go into a bit on that though, because if we look at the position, just follow the timeline, Hey, we finished that 2020 season and Baker's up there the second half that year, top three quarterback, I think is a fair bar. Cause it was that good. A fully deserving of the fifth year option. We go into next year and it's a mess um, gets injured. Um, and it, then you get that divide between the team and him. Um, and they come to the solution that, hey, we're not going to pay this guy. And then what is then the next step? And You don't often get Tom Brady in free agency. You don't often get a callback on the trade market. And hey, half the league was after Deshaun Watson for a reason. If we look back to the end of 2020 or when whenever he was extended he was rated as the second most valuable player in the NFL behind Patrick Mahomes that was where the analytics community the football community that is how good he was regarded that dude is available and if you don't go after him hey you're trading up for the third fourth best quarterback in the 2023 draft and that's effectively the two options and hey that other option is really risky and it could lead to mediocrity because you could end up with Josh Rosen. Um, you could end up with Sam Darnold. And then, hey, we've destroyed all the best years of all these players. And we're just an average team fighting for the playoffs with a, a rookie cheap quarterback. So they made the move. And hey, no, no one wants someone accused of what Deshaun Watson's accused of on their team. And it doesn't matter whether that's the long snap or the quarterback. So they've made that move but I just live by a thing that in life, if I can't control it, I don't care. Quite frankly, whether it's something to do with the weather or going on locally, something nationally, something like this, I'm like, yeah, I'm over it. Um, And that, that's just the way I compend com. Just deal with everything. Um, And so, yeah, I, I honestly couldn't care less. Um, crack on let's win some games get some rings and a uh, party party party
0: and i think jack's i am in the same camp right if it, if something doesn't directly affect me outside of you know my family and stuff like that i don't lose sleep over it right that's the thing and whether i choose to allocate money or resources and all this other stuff too that's that's your own personal decisions for people to make but we live now in this this tribalistic world where you're like you either have to be on one side of the equation or the other side you know i famously said back in college and this is me who anybody who's ever known me a long time knew that there was not something I couldn't argue, whether it was the sky is red or blue, it didn't matter, but there was always three areas that I never would argue. And that's sports, religion, and politics, because no matter what, you know, if you're a pro Boris Johnson or anti, or, you know, whoever the U S president is, you're, it's not like I'm going to sit there and say something that's going to take a Steelers fan and make them a Browns fan or somebody of the Jewish faith is going to become a Catholic. Right. So these are, they're just hard-headed arguments, but starting with PTI you know, many years ago, the media has found that the debate forum has become a very click generating opportunity for them. And I think that is ultimately what's leading to the yo-yo reporting on this, you know, whether it's Florio going from one side of the pendulum to the other, they, the fans, they know that fans are going to watch those football games. They have those deep TV deals locked in. And as much as people hate Roger Goodell, Roger Goodell makes 32 owners of football teams A shit ton of money, they love him more than their firstborn sons, and I'm just gonna tell you that because the money he makes, those TV deals are negotiated in a very precise fashion. I mean, Paul Tagliabu is a great people's commissioner, but Goodell has really taken the business of it. And Jack, you mentioned it earlier about the 12 months of the NFL. We're in that very small window of the year where 10 and a half months out of the year we care about football, but there's that six to eight week stretch in June where people are like, shit, what do I do? I have nothing to cheer about, you know, and, and that's where we're at. So Jack,
4: what what I would love from the NFL is have a feeder team. Even if it was like eight, um, I, would, I would love it to get all the way to 32, but like all of those practice squad guys go seven. and play you want seven on
0: sevens for the practice squad guys.
4: I just want like a full competition of like have like the Cleveland Browns, whatever they want to call them, the Cleveland Bulldogs or something, where they then go and play, put it in the Browns stadium, but all of those guys that Mike Turner, whatever the wide receiver, get him in there, um, you can see what they're going to do. All of the UDFA's, the guys that are fighting for the roster spot, because that's going to have them a better shot of making an NFL roster and just doing a little bit of training camp where they never really get to compete. And I, I I think it'd be great.
0: Just think of you EPL championship, just play the EP the championship league before the EPL league and all the good guys from championship, just go up and play an EPL.
1: This is why the NFL needs to invest in the USFL and XFL, because then you would have 12 months, nonstop NFL coverage to a degree. And then we can be like a minor league system where they can,
4: but yeah, I, I want them to be like our players, though, of going, hey, uh, uh, this guy oh. is a Cleveland Brown or he, he's part of our system because then it's like, yeah, um, you can go They They should call him up next season.
0: Um, oh, oh, and how do the big football teams over in Europe, how do they get I don't want to call it miles, but how do they get their their youth programs and their development leagues? Like, how do they play?
3: So, different places have different, different sort of systems. So, over in Spain and countries like that, some, some of the big clubs have B teams. So, the younger players from, say, um, Barcelona will play in maybe a couple of leagues below in a, in a Barcelona B team. Um, but then over here in, uh, in Britain, we, we use loans. So, um, you know, the, the younger players from the Premier League will get loaned, so ball road basically, out into you know lower leagues and play for different teams but they they eventually go back to their parent club at the end of the season so that's how they do it over here which would it would be an interesting way to go about it in, uh, in the NFL I think ice hockey have something a little bit similar in their mind at least to what we do in um, doing football over here so yeah it would, it would definitely be interesting.
0: It is interesting because, you know, like the Blue Jackets and even Major League Baseball have kind of the triple A type of teams. And I think, Jack, that's kind of your point is do you run the seasons parallel, though, because obviously you, you don't want your receivers and stuff playing spring and summer and then oh, you're a good one, so come right over to camp and you're like you're just putting so much, especially running backs, right?
4: <laughs> but I'd have such a short season. Um, they literally just need a couple of months. Um, so I'm talking, it might be a four, four games. And then there's a couple of play uh, one playoff game or something. Um, so really, really short, but just, uh, yeah, almost like an extended pre preseason.
0: So like a four to six game, little jaunt. Yeah. And then would you do it even by like divisions? So you say, okay, the Browns triple a, and it'd be an interesting concept to draw up because obviously you don't want to have 32 teams playing 32 teams, you know, stick to the AFC and just say, okay, maybe two divisions, the, the East and the North and the South and the West or something. It'd be interesting.
1: Keep yeah, it regional, not- like Cleveland, Detroit, and Cincinnati have a team and then try to keep it, like, regional, where you don't have to have, like, full 53-man squads of, like, your guys, but have them with all Something of that. Like, thing.
4: Three games. So you have three main games, which is, hey, you play the – feed the teams from the other teams in your division. Then you get basically a knockout tournament of all the teams that finish first. What's that? It's eight, four, two. The so just, eight. Yeah, so six-game season. Four. But, yeah, you play just your division games and the best two, the best three, the best four, and then you'd have a stacked list of here's the best feeder team to the worst, and Bob uncle.
0: The irony is the NFL has the money to do it it's always been a liability thing that they've always talked about. And to be fair, they always had college football, you know, that was kind of the, what they consider their feeder team, but it, it is, it's, it's, it's ironic because a lot of teams that have a, like a history of winning, never talk about like the development of players, but yet like the Browns, it's always like you, you see these guys, they develop, we develop them here. Like, you know, to your point on there are youth leagues. And then they go and they're good for somebody else. It's like Kevin De Bruyne with Wolfsburg. It's like, you know, we, we made you buddy. And now you're just, you know, kicking butt over there. But um, the NFL, I think just has, so much power and so much resource. You know, we talked earlier about the TV deals because, you know, a guy like Watson isn't going to impact those TV ratings. I mean, a couple hundred thousand fans to them is insignificant. So having a youth league or some sort of a development league for some of these guys would at least give opportunities, you know, from in terms of employment, because if a practice squad, maybe to your point, Jackie, you have a triple A team that plays those two months. And then the Browns pick 17 guys from there you know, and then they have some sort of off-site training. It's not like we don't have facilities and all that other stuff. with plenty of footballs and stuff to go around. And all these owners get so many subsidies from the cities they live in anyways. It doesn't really matter, but. And develop it, your coaching as
4: well. It's yeah. not just the players that benefit from that. You get a whole coaching team that you can then bring on and uh put into a better spot.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it, it's, it's a, it's a, it's an, a very interesting thing, and I think makes for a lot better discussion than going back and forth between the civil liabilities between adding the Texans, you know, to a lawsuit. That's for sure. But you know, overall, I think we've covered quite a uh, a plethora of stuff. So, is there anything we want to add to the slate, the agenda? Um, you know, do we want to talk about Corey Borquez, uh, Cade York? I mean, any of our guys there? I, I won't say Charlie Hewitt because I don't want Jackson to light up like a Christmas tree, but.
3: Josh Downs, twenty twenty three, you
0: know. Ah, no. oh, the ACC.
3: just, just me. Well, just, is
0: he going to be playing in the ACC? I don't even know. With uh, college football nowadays, it's going to be like super mega conferences.
3: He's going to tear it up wherever he plays. That's all I know. Yeah,
0: Who, who's the quarterback? He's going to be receiving the ball. Yeah, from?
3: good, good question. Good
0: question. <laughs> <laughs> he's not getting it from C.J. Stroud. We know that, but no, that's true. Um, no. All right. So, last question. We'll go around. Offensive MVP, defensive MVP predictions, and we won't do the schedule game yet because we'll hold that off until we know a little bit more in terms of who might be playing the first games. But offensive MVP, defensive MVP, Owen. Is it? Is
3: it too obvious to go Nick Chubb my guy. I'll go a little bit different. I'll go. I'll go Nick Chubb as as offense, and I'll go Jok on defense.
0: Ooh, well, if he's gonna be an All Pro, he's definitely got his hat in the contender. All right, Jackson. Well, uh, Owen took
1: both my picks, so I don't want to repeat them. So offensive MVP, I'm going to go David Njoku. Defensive MVP, I'm going to say
0: Greg Newsome. A lot of hype on Newsome. A lot of hype. Nickel Corner.
1: Jack.
4: Offensive MVP, I'm, I'm going for the, the guy that should be in the Hall of Fame when he finishes. Joel Petonio.
1: Ooh.
4: Ah. Um, oh, reliable. On think... the defensive side of the ball. I think he's just got to be Miles Garrett. That's thing. He's just so much better than everyone else. Um, Denzel Ward is the only other one in the discussion for me, but yeah, let's go, Miles.
0: I'm gonna to stick to my old adage. I have a philosophy in sports, whether it comes to betting or futures or whatever it is always bet on the guys in the contract years. So I think on the offensive side of the ball, I think Amari Cooper, why? Because of what Jack said earlier, this is a guy that wants to keep that paycheck coming. So you're talking about a guy that's going to go out there and whether it's Brissett, Dobbs, Watson, not Baker anymore. That was fun to add there for a little while. Whoever's throwing in the ball, he's going to be open. And whenever he catches it, he's going to have, I think you're looking at a year where a Browns receiver is going to have somewhere in the 80 to 90 catches range. And probably somewhere in that 13 to 1400 yard range. Um, I would go that route over the running backs just because of the depth. You know, obviously we have several running backs, so I think they're going to do a great job at kind of managing that workload. So I'm going to Mari Cooper on the offensive side of the ball and Jadavian Clowney on the uh, defensive side of the ball, because miles is getting better, which means that. Jadavian Clowney going into another contract here really, really wants to tell another team that he's worth 15 to 17 million dollars. He wants to live up to those reports that he's worth that money. So I think he goes into the offseason. Um, you know, if, if allegedly Baker was this holding him back from another two or three Zacks, but we know. He finished the season with, I think, what, four sacks in the last four games or six sacks in the last uh, five games or something like that. He ended the season a lot better than he started the season, and he's still been solid against the run. So, I think Miles gets all the attention. I think JOK is a product of a bad defensive uh, tackle room where he's going to make a lot of tackles, kind of in the DeQual Jackson, three to five yards down the field. But I'm going with Jadavian Clowney. And on that note, anything else we want to add before we call to the end no, I not think this. that's it Just all right. that, well, that's now, thank you for these two chaps I was going to say now we thank them for joining in Owen first time on the air so now when people google, google you they're not going to see about your you know ability to score goals with your left foot they're going to see that you are a contributor on uh, the namesake Paul Brown podcast
3: No, it's been really fun uh, thank you for having me uh, thank you for put, putting up with all my pester and, especially Jack for a long time so yeah thanks
0: That's the best part. That's why we keep you around. Anybody that's a pester of Jack is a friend of mine. (laughs) So, all right. Well, I am just about finished with my second beer during this whole thing. So it always makes uh, for a good podcast. But uh, we famously end our way. You guys are more than free to end however you like. But uh, Duffin, we'll start with you.
4: Uh, There's only one way to end a uh, full round podcast. Go Browns.
0: Go Browns. Go Browns. And finally, go Browns.